Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm your host, Sean Crystal. And for all my Patreon subscribers, you are hearing this one a month earlier than everyone else. So thank you. Thank you for your support. If you've done that, if you haven't and you're hearing this for the first time on February 1st, um, maybe you had no idea I was doing that. Uh, but check it out. Patreon.com slash Inkpulp. Um, see if you can get involved in some way. That would be much appreciated. Uh, I've got three reward tiers. And uh, see if any of them are to your liking. So, uh, before we get into the podcast today, I've kind of been bitching and moaning lately on my intros, and uh, I just I th- I've come to a few conclusions. Um, I think maybe looking at comics as a main source of income. Or as the, yeah, as the primary source of income might be problematic for me. I think I need to, I'm playing with the idea, and Patreon's one of those ways of creating a more supplementary income stream. uh, By having a few venues which to bring money. I just, I kind of realize, I just get locked into a way of thinking, and I can't see outside of the box. Um, and I'm not sure I'm the, well, I know I'm not the most business savvy. So, I don't know, hoping this makes things a little different, a little better, and hope it changes things. Uh, I just think of the freedom, if I were to be able to, um, do a podcast and sell original art and do some commissions and cover my not that way then what I do with comics could be completely freeing. And that sounds pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So we'll see. I don't know what... Again, I'm recording this uh, well in advance of the Patreon being released, so I don't know how it's performing. But um, I'm curious and I'm hopeful. It will perform well. I've got a goal set there. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not up yet as I record this. It's up now as of the release of this. But I'm still putting it together, and I'm, I'm setting a goal of... I don't know the number yet. It's going to be somewhere between 3500 and 5000 a month. And if I can achieve that goal through Patreon, that will mean that my podcast is my primary job. And that will allow me the time and money to record more episodes. And if I can reach that goal, I will be releasing two episodes of Ink Pulp Audio a month on top of, um, as well as the Ink Pulp Junior podcast, which is a Patreon exclusive right now. So that would mean for Patreon subscribers, you'd get three episodes a month. And if I achieve that goal, I'll, I'll see if I can figure out a another goal to hit a weekly podcast. 
Uh, we'll get there. Let's see if we can make three. That'd be great. Um, <coughs> sorry. Apologize. I've had this cold for over four weeks now. I've been through two rounds of antibiotics, and I'm a healthy person who exercises and eats pretty well. And this thing is just relentless. It just won't go away. Um, yeah, so today, um, yeah, I know I'm umming a lot. We've got Nick Bradshaw. And Nick is someone I became friendly with a few years ago when I did a small job for Wolverine and the X-Men, which was fun. And I think it was me... And Ramon and Nick worked on an issue together, and we kind of started an email thread together. I think I've talked about this in previous episodes. But I've been wanting to get Nick on here for a while, and especially after um, Nick had a burnout. Uh, you know, I always looked at Nick's work as... I always liked his work, but the amount of detail he was able to get in on a monthly comic was staggering to me and on top of the covers he was doing he was just constantly producing and I didn't understand how he was doing this um so fast and you know you get to know so when you talk to them you realize what you had in your head is different and he was just working himself into absolute hell and uh, as a result I had a burnout and that is what he, he, we messaged on Facebook when it happened a little bit. And it got me really interested in, in having a, a, I mean, we talked there, but recording the discussion. Uh, I think it's an important piece for professional artists, artists seeking a professional life. Um, anyone who's a fan of our, I, I just think it's an interesting topic to discuss and there's some real valuable information in the experience that um uh nick had he's learned from it and uh, he's doing well now and i'm trying to learn from him uh it's a little tricky as you know because i complain all the time but i try so uh that's the gist of today's podcast um I know, I gotta stop with the ums. It's just, it's right before Christmas. I'm juggling a million things. You know, the holiday seasons really suck. And I don't know if it's an American thing or not. But it's just, th there's no... And I can't say, you know, we used to say this was a... Working in comics is like this, but I think it's every business now. There's no break. So you're expected to stay on task with whatever it is you're doing at your job while the holidays creep in and they demand much time. Um, and I know it sounds silly to be complaining about this, but, but with parties, with family get-togethers, with shopping for people, um, just with obligations. And it just is... It's a difficult time to navigate through 
uh, it would be really nice to just have some downtime and be amongst friends and family and and socialize and party. I mean, the holidays were supposed to be a little period of break for everyone to celebrate life, and now it, it's just become stressful. And it's just, I, I just, I don't know if it's just America or not, but I just look at it like, what have we done to ourselves? Like, we don't, we don't have lives anymore. We just work. And I used to say that was a comics thing, but I have a lot of friends in the in outside of comics, in all different jobs, in corporate world jobs, in education, and everything. And it's just not a downtime. It just makes me question what we're doing. I mean, going to Argentina certainly allowed me to see some things. I mean, they were, I found out they were one of the wealthiest countries in the world up until about the 1970s. Um, I think they had a, a good 30-year run there, I think, at, in that position. And then it kind of fell apart. And now it looks like they're doing okay. They're not doing great like they were, but they're doing well. Or they're doing well enough, I guess is the way to put it. But it seems the people in, well, Buenos Aires at least, um, live and appreciate life more. There's, And again, this is from the outside looking in, obviously. But it, it seems like they take life at a little slower pace. And it just makes me think that would be really nice. And maybe, I don't know, it makes me wonder, are we watching sort of a, not a total collapse, but a slide down of, in, in our country from being so wonderful to just falling apart a bit? It feels like it. Um, you know, the political climate being what it is and the financial climate being what it is. Um, it certainly feels like it. And... I don't know, you know, part of me is like, go move somewhere. You know, that's that's a nice pipe dream. I have a family to consider and can't just uproot everyone. Uh, but it does make me wonder. But then again, my wife and I talk about it. And are you running away from your problems? Because you really can't. So are they just going to follow you? Or is living somewhere else in another part of the world with another culture going to help going to help going to be a better way to live I don't know I have no answers just stuff that's circling through my head so I am curious and that's where my head is today uh, please if you're new to the podcast um, or if you're a fan of the podcast please spread the word I have a Patreon and I'm trying to get I just see it. I'm learning more and more. This is this is a way for me to connect with my audience in, in a better way. There's I felt a separation. I release the podcast and the audience hears it. I hear from some people. I hear it's positively reviewed. I see the downloads. I'm doing some good numbers. Um, but I don't feel a connection like I'd like to. And I I think this way like I think I've been preaching this whole time on the podcast about eliminating the buffers between the artist and their audience, whether it be a publisher, you know, like working for, 
uh, say like a like a corporate publisher like Marvel or DC or whatever that the, they're like a intermediate between you and your audience. It's not a bad thing, but I've just noticed that Louis C.K. found a way to go directly to his audience. So to be successful at a corporate publisher, you're going to have to do much bigger numbers to financially succeed than you would if you're if that in, in intermediate party is removed. I mean, DC's got to cover a lot of expenses, and I'm work for hire, so the cost of everything goes up. Um, so I'm hoping this is a way for me to to find a direct communication link with my audience and hear back from you all and see what you what you respond to most in this podcast and in my artwork and and learn from that and try to connect better and it'll also allow you into my world a bit and my creative process and all that jazz so i'm hoping this patreon is is a means to do that it seems like it will be i just don't know if i'll have the subscribers or not but i'm thinking positively so i'm hoping um it does well and I'm hoping this allows me to realign my perspective on things. So thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. If you are contributing, please f continue to follow me or spread the word about following me or follow me if you're not already on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Ink Pulp. Uh, that's where I'm posting my shit. And my Patreon subscribers, you're going to be hearing from me, or you probably already are, uh, through the Patreon's uh, account site, where I have a direct link to you. So thank you, and this is Ink Pulp Audio with Nick Bradshaw. Yeah, just this is new. Mm -hmm. I used to travel with one that was like 17 inches long, no. eight tracks. No. Um, but yeah, so I was just, it was getting hard to do. And, and since I'm going to do a Patreon with this, I uh, like I was getting to the point where like bringing it, like I would not bring it along because it was a pain in the ass. No. And then I was like, I'm not recording enough episodes. And if I'm going to do a Patreon, I need to record more episodes. Oh, I mean, you're going to shows. What better opportunity, you know, to like. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Interviews. It's great. And also, I can, um, there's little mics at the top here. Mm -hmm. And I can, uh, like, I'm going to do with the Patreon these mini episodes. Okay. And I'm talking to you about this because it's a way of advertising a little bit. Sure. <laughs> um, so the mini episodes, like today, I'm going to bring this to the floor. I don't need anything else but this little thing. Okay. And uh, I'll record a short conversation with Andrew. Nice. We'll see what the sound quality is like. I have no idea. Well, hopefully it filters out a lot of the back uh, crowd. Well, you know? Yeah. And mm. luckily, I've got a great producer who's an audio wizard. Was that you beeping? Or? Yep. Okay. I didn't know if that was this thing, <laughs> my new equipment. Um all right, well, I, I have a, re, uh, a conversation I want to have with you on okay, here. Okay, sure. Um, because you reached out to me 
I guess it was a year ago or so. Okay. You had just had gone through a burnout. Yeah. You want to tell me what happened there? Um, it was one of those things where, and people need to understand that about what we do as a job. You know, the deadline intensiveness is one thing, but we are creating product for a corporation. Right. You know? And I mean, it's it's something that people need to recognize. And a lot of the times when schedules are set up, it's all well and good, but we're still expected to take square pegs and find ways to make them fit in round holes. Right. You know explain what I mean that, that. Explain. I do. But. Um, well, like, let's say you have a schedule where, you know, it's negotiated that you're getting five weeks to develop a book. And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that need to come when you're producing a product. Like you need to make cover works. uh, You need to do um, development stuff and, you know, promotional stuff. And uh, unfortunately, that five weeks now turns into three. And now you're expected to pencil and ink 20 pages of book, which might not seem like much to people until you're knee deep into it. You know what I'm talking about. Because you know. know? Yeah. (laughs) That's why I want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, doing that for five years, you know, like yeah. constantly, and it, it wasn't all the time. It was just, and, and you're a very, very detail-oriented artist, and that's one of the problems. Like I sort of paint myself in corners sometimes because do you do quality over quantity, or do sometimes right. you try and cut those corners, and you know, y- your name is attached to this, like exactly, people, and you build yourself as a brand to a point, and right. you know, people have expectations of you, and you don't want to sort of disappoint anytime right. because right. then of course. that could. be that one time where people are like, oh, well, he's giving up or, you know, right. he's uh, sort of turn, handing in, you know, like he's, this guy's done. Yeah. And, you know, Kennedy and I talked once and he, he kind of cued me into this idea that you got to look at your body of work mm-hmm. as a legacy. Yeah. And if you're just getting the job done and sacrificing the quality of what you're doing, that legacy isn't going to last very long. No. No. And I mean, the other thing too, that we contend with that, like a lot of people say, well, you never heard about this stuff, you know, 20, 30 years ago with creators. And I'm like, the internet wasn't as prevalent 20, 30 yeah. years ago. And I mean, things you, didn't move as no, fast. No, no. And I mean, you realize we can get sucked into all kinds of discussion and debate, you know, amongst fans and other creators. And there's knee jerk reaction. One of the reasons I stay off Twitter is because of stuff like that. I'm like, I, I need to focus on my work. And yeah. that That's something that has been hard for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I, I've recently realized, like, I'm hurting myself. Like I've never as an artist become like caught fire as the term says. Or, oh, or no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I know. I'm not I'm not, I'm not I'm not complaining about the quality of my work, mm. but I'm I'm not a super popular artist. That's fine. I'm mm. I'm not complaining. But so I, I just feel like I haven't used social media well. And with the Patreon coming up in the in the the, the, with the podcast, I'm I'm trying to utilize it now. What that when I, I I I've talked about this a little bit. I took a like a self inventory inventory like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I said, where do I want to be in ten years? Because I was not steering my ship any direction. I was just taking jobs that popped up, and I I didn't know where I was going. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided what was important for me was to be doing stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about how much we work. I want to spend that time on stuff I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't want to work as much. 
I would like one day off a week. I don't yeah. think that's too much to ask for. Well, that's the other thing. Like people, I, I was working 12 to 15 hour days, you yeah. know, like seven days a week. Yeah. And then you did it, man. it honestly, it's because I have a partner who's an illustrator as well. And she's, you know, a professional right. now working for publication houses. Right. And I think if it would have been anybody else, it was working a regular nine to five, you know, like we work at home together. So it's okay. not like we don't see each other. That yeah. made it easier. Yeah. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? So, but Still, I missed out on a lot of things. Like my grandmother who raised me was aging and I uh, was very close with her. Yes, and yeah. uh, watching her sort of just degrade and then pass. I took two weeks with her when she was in palliative care. But if I was chasing deadline at that time, I you know, that's always in the back of your head. Right. You always have that concern. And the companies are, for the most part, very nurturing to when it comes to family stuff. Like sure. I, I found, I've never had issues with that. They're very understanding, but it's you, you know, personally, you're, you've got that pressure constantly thinking, right. I want to get this done. I want it to look good still, you know, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm sort of dealing in the back of my head with this. And after she had passed, you're sitting there and you're like, how much time am I allowed to take now, you know, before I can jump back into it? Oh, yeah. And that can happen with any kind of personal situation in right. your life, you know, like whether you have a kid that's sick or, you know, a spouse that loses a job or they're yeah. struggling with stuff in their lives. And you kind of realize you're walking on this really fine, tight, tight wire, you know, and it's okay. Things can go well and good and things are great. But if anything sort of just lands on that wire and it's in your way, then it becomes a juggling act. And yeah. then a second thing falls on that and it's a, it's making it even harder. And then it snowballs. And, you know, before you know it, you just, you burn out. And that's what I'd realized had happened. I never thought I'd be the type of person that would burn out. Yeah, I, I never thought so either. But yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I haven't had a major burnout, but I've had a lot of minor burnouts, and I, the big one could be coming, which is why I'm trying to make changes. Yeah, and it's a good time to do it. What surprised me was when I started talking about it openly, asking for advice, like other creators like Ken Lashley I had spoke to and uh, Yannick Paquette, they were great. Yeah. Because uh, they had sort of said that they were you know, on the cusp of doing that too, but other creators started coming forward and talking about it as well. And uh, it happens quite frequently. And it's one of these yeah. things where you know a lot of them are realizing that okay, I'm not the only one that deals with these things and maybe that's something that's indicative of, you know, that happens maybe too often for freelance artists. And I, I don't like putting it all on comics because I'm a freelance artist. Right. I, I dabble in a little bit of everything. Right. Video gaming, animation, other multimedia, advertising. Right. And it was a little bit of everything just trying to make my life work, you know. Right. Well, I, I do think we are partly responsible for... Oh, absolutely. I mean, we... I mean, I, th I feel like the freelance lifestyle nurtures in a, I guess, a, a, a taste of desperation to I'm needing to make sure I have work coming in. Yes. So you're always trying to finish a job and line up the next job. And, yep. and uh, it's, I heard, um, I was talking to Tommy Lee Edwards mm -hmm. and we were talking about an artist who worked in comics for a little bit, who we both love. Um, and he ultimately just went and worked in animation. And Tommy said to me, I'm um, trying to think of his exact words were, yeah, he just couldn't, he, I don't, I don't think he said handle. Uh, he just couldn't handle the freelance lifestyle or, or the, he wasn't good at being a freelancer. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. And that like, hit me like a ton of bricks because I never stopped to think about that. Like yeah, all of, all a lot of the woes and worries and problems come from the way this is. So then I had to think to myself, do do I, I want to be a freelancer? And and I do, but then I have to accept those terms. Yeah. 
And uh, but go ahead, I'm, I'm dominating here. No, no, no. This Tell is a great discussion, and that's the thing because you're both you're you're sort of in that same boat where you said you felt it coming on. Right. And I mean, like I'm feeling I'm on the back end of it coming out, so I don't mind talking about it in this discussion. And I'm sure there are people out there that you know all have different experiences when it comes to these things. And one of the things that I always tell people when they get into freelancing or you know doing art as a career is you need to be thinking 15 steps ahead, which again is pressure, right? You know, and you have family, you have children. We, oh, yeah. My, me and my wife don't, it's right. just us, but you're thinking about five years from now. So that's why you're taking all these jobs on because you're thinking, I need to pad these accounts. I need to have these networks in place. I need to have these contacts and I right. need to, you know, because who knows five years from now. And I want to make sure that the jobs I'm doing, I'm growing as an artist and yeah. doing the best work I can. So yeah. I like, I mean, there are some people I, that I look at like we came up together I knew what they aspired to do and I saw them get pulled in by by a company and they became work machines yep. and their quality I know they're capable of much better than I'm seeing from them and it's like I don't want to be that but here's the thing though if you decide to say okay you know what I want to be a quality artist I don't yeah. want to be a quantity artist I want right. to be a quality artist you have this fear that they're not going to hire me because I'm not producing enough but if that quality right. is there and people are recognizing it yeah. you know you're going to get hired that's true and that 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 I learned yeah. and and so I I mean I basically will say here's the schedule I want but the mistake I've made is I'm getting the schedules I ask for, mm -hmm. but I'm still like 10, like I'm still not asking for what I really want. I'm sort of meeting in the middle because I'm afraid of what you're just talking. Even though I know, like, I just need to ask for more time. So I just put myself in a situation where I'm not doing what you were doing. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I mean, don't, there was a time where I was, I was a full-time college professor running my department and working for Marvel under deadlines. Now they were giving me deadlines that worked with a full-time job, but I was still working 30 hours a week for Marvel and then 40 hours a week for the school. Yeah. And that's where you were just putting in those crazy hours. Yeah. I, like I was working at a video game company as a team lead doing uh, games for casinos. You know? mm -hmm. And like, it was, it was a great job. It was a nine to five. I had, you know, good pay benefits and it was stable. Yeah. You know? There's but, a company like that in Atlanta. A lot of my students went and worked yeah, for Yeah. And I mean, like for me, it was sort of a thing and it's good that they get into that. And I always tell people like, take any kind of a job just to learn different things. Like I, I never thought I'd be good at doing computer stuff. I actually have a report card that claims I'm digitally stupid. I'm proud of that. <laughs> Love that. But uh, I realized that I can't be scared of tech as overtaking what we do, that it's a tool. So I don't, Absolutely. And I don't regret that job for, you know, learning that. Like, you right, know, like I, right. had, I had a pretentious ideal on what digital can be. And there are some people who are digital or better than classic art, which I think is not a way to go. It's a tool. And, exactly. You know, exactly. It, I mean, I did the same thing i was anti-digital yeah. and then then i remember uh i was working on phantom x max and i had gotten a cintiq and i was like why don't i just try this yeah. and it did speed me up a, a good bit yep. and i i spent a, a, a bunch of time on it and ultimately i could make an informed decision what do i want to use and yeah. i'm just f completely traditional media you get a little too dependent on that edit undo button though and that's yeah. one of those things like you're just like ah well i'm not going to experiment or i'll try you know playing around with 
this. You can but zoom yeah, in. I, and, yeah. I got rusty, actually, I found after I was going completely digital. So now it's a matter of finding that balance between the two that right. I think works for me. Right. And everybody's different. Yeah, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. has different experiences. So. Yeah, I mean, I went from full digital to, all right, let me just thumbnail and pencil digitally, yeah. print out blue lines and ink. And then I was like, this isn't it. Yeah. Let me thumbnail digitally. Mm-hmm. And then I did that and penciled and inked after that. And I was like, nope, I want to get back to thumbnails with pencil and paper mm-hmm. and... It's just my 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 um my preference. Yep, and that's it. Every but artist. I have the skill set to go use it if I need it. Yep. I mean, there there was a I designed a I was an art director on a cartoon pilot for Cartoon Network, and having working digitally for that made a lot of sense. Mm. Just saved a lot of time, and I mean, you're constantly editing little changes. Like you have meetings, and like, well, what if we did this to the mask, and then you can it's on a separate layer, pop it off. But you know, so it, it does save time for that. Oh yeah, like so you can it, use it when you need it, and that's it. You know, you look at the tool. When I was working at the studio, back to the point where we were talking about, I was also just starting doing some book projects with Marvel. So I was, you know, like I was in my late 20s at this time. You still got the energy to get up and go. So I was working. This is after your Army of Darkness stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. I don't even, like that was back when I was starting and I probably had no business getting into illustrating these books. Dude, when I first saw those comics, I was like, who is this guy? This is awesome. that, That goes back to having a first editor who sort of broke me down and says, you have no idea what you're doing. And you need to start going left to right, top to bottom. Oh, learn oh, the basics right. of comics. No, no, I understand that. But yeah. it was it was a good experience for that. At least somebody but the drawing was, was beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, even though I look back and I'm like, wow, I I had no clue what I was doing at that point. Right, but, right. but when I was working at the gaming studio and doing comics at the same time, I had that kind of fine balance I was telling you about. And at this point, everybody in my family was happy, healthy, and things were good. And I took it for granted, you know, like here I'm, I'm going to my day job where I'm working nine to five at this gaming studio. And, uh, but in the mornings I get up at four. I don't know why I have an internal clock that gets yeah, me up better. I was ask you about that. I'll, yeah. I, what time do you go to bed? My brain is stupid. I go to bed generally around 10 o'clock. Okay. I'm, I can operate on five hours sleep usually. Like, oh, well, you're one of those people. I, yeah. I don't I know why. I, can't, I know it's <laughs> terrible. But I would get up at four and I would do my work before I go into the office, like working on the comic stuff. Sure. Go into the office, and then at night I'd get home and I'd just hang out with, you know, Danica, and we would sit there and I would just you know, finish working on a page. Right. And it was for an annual that was due like a year later. So I had all kinds of time to work on it. But if that was Marvel? Yeah. Same thing happened it, to me. But it was relaxing. It was, it was a relaxing extra thing to yeah. have. And yeah. it led to more work with Marvel where I could leave the gaming studio. But it was this thing that I was working a lot of hours out of yeah. the day. And I never realized how much it was tiring me out because yeah. I was young and stupid and figured, you know, like I can. Well, I also think there's this thing where like as an artist where you're like, I'm I'm enjoying. This isn't work. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, like it's like, cool. I'm getting yeah, to draw the X Men. This, this is great. Yeah. yeah, but then like after a few years, you're like, this is fucking hard work. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and you start to realize, you know, like this shit is really starting to tear a strip off me. And right, you you start thinking, well, there's so many people who would love to be doing this. Am I sounding ungrateful? And you're like, no. Right. If I look at this as the job part of it, you know, like this is a job, and it's it overtakes a part of your life, and it's. And this is why when I said before we even started this, I like I don't like shitting on companies when it comes to this because it's our expectations we put on ourselves. Right, that's what I'm saying. We we do this to ourselves, no doubt. And I tell our and every time I've asked for uh, like when I get a job, I've asked for a longer schedule. The companies have always said okay, Mm. and if if they offered me a job and it needed to be done. In three weeks, I was like, I am not the man for that job. Mm. Then they come back with, well, what about this one? I mean, yeah, 
but I I'm the one always accepting the schedule they offer me. Yeah, and I mean like we we get into that, you know, like but sometimes you do have schedules that are placed on you yeah. and pressures are placed on well, you. Well, that's when you're on a monthly. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that can be killer. That can really be killer. And it's it's one of these things like I'm I'm 38 now and you know, um last year I was feeling like I was 50 and I was just like this is not normal. So, you know, talking to my doctor and he was like, "Yeah, you got to ease up on what it is you're doing to yourself." And he said, you know, like, just take a year. He said, promise me you'll take a year. All right, well, wait, wait, back up. So what led to you going to the doctor? Actually, that was, uh, I was one of these guys that was like, "Ah, I don't need to go talk to doctor, you know, like, it wasn't a, it wasn't so much I was thinking of mental health issue. I was just feeling tired and exhausted all the time. And I really didn't want to face the day. Like I just wanted to sleep, which wasn't me. Like my entire life, five hours of sleep was all I needed. Right. And, uh, I was really concerned. And when I went to go talk to him, he was like, yeah, you know, like you've, you've beaten yourself up the last 10 years it crept up on you and I had a lot of family stuff like I was saying going on at the time that I need to be home to deal with so he said look he says I want you sticking to no more than 10 hours a day you know, like wow. he said, that's yeah. don't do more than that. But ten hours a day, not seven days a week. Yeah, not seven days a week. Right. Taking your weekends to yourself, trying to live it like it's a normal job. He said, I know it's going to be hard for you, and you're going to have a hard time adjusting. And you know what? The second that I did it, and I started putting those demands on myself, and also on other people around me that I was working with, um, there was acceptance there. You know, it was like, okay, yeah, this is what you've laid out for us. We can find a way to make that work. Yeah, exactly. We want to work with you. And that fear sort of alleviated it a bit, and I don't feel that now. And that's when I started sort of coming out of the back end of it. And, I mean, I I screwed up quite a few interesting projects along the way because of that. You know, like there was a lot of interesting projects that uh, people had approached me with that I was looking at working on. And, uh, you know... I really screwed the pooch on a lot of those because I was dealing with this stuff, but didn't know how to talk about it. You got that right. stigma of, you know, having a discussion about it. Cause I, I was never, I never thought I'd be that guy. And that's one of the problems with people that, you know, like I don't want to be that guy. What, what is that guy? You know, the one where people have this stigma of people who are afraid to talk about, you know, what's going on in their life. Cause they think, right. Oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I have mental illness. Right, or, right, right, right. And I mean, that's why people have a hard time talking about mental illnesses because of these things. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's anxieties told, yeah. and depressions yeah. and stuff like hey, that. Hey, that's and, why I have a podcast. Yeah. Well, no. And <laughs> that's why when you were talking to me about it, I was just like, when you started mentioning, I think we discussed it a bit at Heroes, how you were sort of feeling burnt out in a way. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah well, that's why I want to sit down and talk to you about it because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this is what I went through. And I had other creators tell me they went through the same type of thing. Right. And it's a normal thing for us, you know, like, so, unfortunately. Did it manifest itself just as fatigue? That's how it started. I was just, I'd get up and usually I would run to my room, four o'clock in the morning. I had no problem getting out of bed. I'd sit there, uh, do work until about six, take the dog for a walk. I'd lay out a page between four to six, take the dog for a nice long walk. And then I'd be excited to get back to my table and just keep working for the day. And uh, that was gone. Like instantaneously, like it was done. And I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't normal. And I had to tap out. I was just like, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. I told every single person I had projects going for. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. Some of them I didn't. I just, you know, tuned out. And, uh, one of the things that really bothered me the most was, uh, eight or nine years ago when I started freelancing again, I uh, moved back home to the East coast of Canada because I loved being near the coast. I Uh like going to the beach. I like hiking in the woods. I'm one of those type of guys, but going kayaking you know yeah, like it was that sounds it was awesome. a passion yeah, yeah i love doing like that a great lifestyle but 
in that time that I moved back home, I was so busy doing the work, I hadn't done anything like that. Yeah. It was just my drafting table or taking my dog for the walk. That was my right. one little escape. And uh, spending the time with Danica. And it, it just sort of, it got to me. That really affected me when that realization, it hit me. Yeah, see, I had that same thing. Yes. My kids, my daughter's in high school. I'm yeah, like, what just like, where did that go? Yeah. You know, like what? And you can't get that back. And I, we haven't done, I mean, not, look, my kids have a, have a very nice life. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, we've, we've been great with them. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like we've given them the experience I wanted to give them. Mm-hmm. But I'm going ahead. But everybody has regrets and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? That happens. Like, I, the same with my family. There was time there I wish I would have or right. could get back, and you can. Those regrets, I, I try not to carry with me. I try to live for the day, you know, right. and, and so look forward. I've, I've decided to just make changes. Yeah. Not not live in the past of it, but looking forward. So we are making changes. Yeah. I'm planning trips. I mean, we're, we're doing We're going to start sounding like one of those uh, infomercials for, like, you know, <laughs> live a better life. Right? Right. Well, uh, yeah, that's what this is. <laughs> Get yourself health tapes, you know. No, <laughs> no but I realized uh, talking to friends about it was one of the bigger things that, you know, I, re- I really need to get into and get out of my head so much and just sort of uh, be open talking about it, you know, because mm-hmm. you realize other people had ways of that they were coping with it that sort of helped me. And uh, I took two weeks. I, I took two weeks when I had that realization. And uh, I just, every day, I went down to the beach. I did the kayaking, did the things that I wanted to do. And then I was sitting For there, two weeks? For two weeks straight. That's amazing. I took like a two-week vacation. No work. No work. Nothing. Wow. I, uh, I just shut my brain off. I didn't have any worries about anything because I really mentally couldn't. I guess you had enough of a financial cushion where that wasn't going to hurt yeah, you. Yeah, I, I had taken a... And that's the other thing. Uh, I, you know... I'm the breadwinner in the house because Danica's just starting. Right. And uh, I wanted, and that was another pressure, you know, like she was just starting to get into her freelancing career. And I felt really bad that this happened at that ground level time for her because that's a crucial time for an artist. That's pressure on her. Yeah, it put pressure on her. But uh, I made sure that responsibly I had a list of commissions, you know, that I had been meaning to get to for years. I just, I tackled a bunch of those. During your vacation? D- during the vacation. Right, so just, you did some work. I did some work, but, but I mean, fun, but fun work, work, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that helped me. Commissions can be cathartic because they let you play and experiment yeah, yeah. and there's no pressure behind them. And, and that made me realize how important your fans are because I like that support is, you know, something that sometimes we really that, need to have. That you there. just hit on something that yeah. was very big for me. What I realized is, and this gets back to my social media stuff, mm-hmm. is I have a fan base. Yeah. I have done nothing to really connect and nurture them yeah. as fans of mine. I, I'm I'm letting my career basically just be dictated by the jobs I'm offered when I've got a direct line to people who want to support my work. Yeah. I should be putting my energies there. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons when I go to a con, I barely leave my table. I smile at every single person who comes around. And I make that concerted effort that, you know, even at the end of a day when I'm tired and exhausted at a con, it may be feeling miserable that any person who comes to my table is going to get that smile and that yeah, handshake because yeah. that day that I sat there and that realization hit me that, you know, I have people there who would support me and, right. you know, allow me to continue doing exactly. what I do. And, you realize what the give and take is back and forth between your fans. And that's great. You know, yes. like, and that's why it's my little thank you whenever, you know, I try to do something or post a drawing. Of. I, yeah, I agree. I yeah. Totally I had another agree. artist who says you post like two or three times a week and you know, like it just seems like you're showing off some of your work and it was a sort of in a laughing way. And I'm just like, you know what? They look for that. 
Like yeah. your fans want to see. You oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I want to see. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's that's sort of your thank you. Like, hey, this is what I'm working on today. Thank right. you for allowing me the time to do this. You know, I like, did something this week that that I hadn't done before that I think was it. it, it it engaged my audience like nothing I'd done before. I, I'm there. There's a there's a local Italian restaurant where I live, mm-hmm. um, mom and pop place. They grow everything on their own farm. They're from Chicago. It is like some of the best. It's New York Italian and Chicago Italian in the middle of the suburbs of Atlanta. And everyone who's come down from New York, I've taken there, cannot believe how good this place is. They grow everything themselves. It's a great establishment. They're a family, and they welcome you with hugs. They know us. But um, the lady who runs the front, she's like, like does the, the, the hostess job. The husband does the kitchen. Um, her mother died of pancreatic cancer years ago. So she is very involved in this pancreatic cancer research foundation and has an auction every year. They have a big party every July where they shut down their parking lot and cook food for hundreds of people for free and people come and donate, but they have an auction. So when they found out what I did, they asked if I would donate. So every year I donate a piece to this auction and it sells for a good bit of money and it it really helps them and they're really thankful and I love doing it. So I'm sitting down getting ready to do this and I pencil out in my mind. I was like, every year I try to think like, well, what's going to sell right now? Cause this isn't, it's not a con mm. and it's not necessarily comic book fans, but it's a lot of suburban people, most of whom are pretty well off and might see like, oh, this guy works for Marvel and DC and he drew this. My son would love it. So I try to think of a character that's popular at the time. So Spider-Man, because the movie was just out oh, and everyone, yeah. and I, for me, that's why I'm here. It's Spider-Man. I mean, it all goes back to Spider-Man for me. So I drew Spider-Man, uh, just a structural drawing. No costume, no face, just the pose. And I was like, let me try something. Put it on Instagram. I was like, if I've done my job well, you all know who this is. And I just got so much engagement from mm-hmm. that because they, they were involved in the creative process. I was like, I need to do this more. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the point I was trying to make. But no, but I mean, engaging engaging your fans, involving yeah. them in what you do. Like, right, right, you know? yeah. So it's not showing off. It's like, mm. you know, some of them had fun just guessing it. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, yeah. Spider-Man doesn't move like anyone else. No, but it also, it's a good way to test what you how your skills are. I mean, if you have to draw a Hulk commission... You know, the body shape would give it away, but oh, yeah. can the gesture... Can, like, body can, language, acting, yeah. you know. Like yeah, that's like, without any surface information, can you convey that? So, well, you mentioned before that you'd worked for animation studios. I worked in animation as well. Like, I right. trained in animation. So, I mean, what's great about that is there are skills that I had learned in animation I was able to import over into my comic work, which shot me in the foot the first time I was working in comics, going back to the Army of Darkness stuff, because I was trying to draw too many points from A to B with my panels, because I wanted to show so much action between, you know, right. like a character walking from the door, getting to a chair kind of thing. You were storyboarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I'd end up with like 10 to 15 panels on a page, which right. is an yeah. amateur mistake, you know, but I, uh, I had learned over the years cut that back cut that back and now right. i really try to limit to those five to seven but it was fan interaction actually right. at the time uh drawingboard.org um i don't I remember, remember that. shane glenn's yeah. drawing yeah, board. yeah 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 oh I my would, god I would that was a that was such a fun era uh, yeah i love that so stuff. much inspiration but 
people who weren't illustrators were jumping on that board, giving feedback, talking right. about their love of drawing, you know, and right, it, was, right. it was so great to be able to do something one day, post it, and then get that kind of interaction and feedback from people who weren't necessarily artists, but were fans of art. Right. And that helped kind of bolster you more and learn more. And sometimes you would get very honest feedback, like, hey, that face is wonky or somebody yeah. should teach you yeah, to draw, yeah, you yeah. know, and like that kind of honesty, if they would point it out and then explain why I'm like, okay, that's great. They wouldn't shit on you because the internet wasn't accessible. It is today. Uh, you know, yeah. like, oh, it's terrible. That's sometimes. true. Yeah. That's it can very be bad. true. It can be really bad. Yeah. I just had an interaction yesterday. I was just like, I don't understand this. Yeah. And it, but I stay off fan forms because of that. Like yeah. I find true fans, if they really care about something, they'll draft you up an email or. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, and this is sort of a tangent off the way, and it's one of those things when I had to explain to a group one time when they were asking me if I've ever had interactions with people who absolutely hated my work and, you know, like, what? how did you deal with a person like that? It was a free comic day back home, and uh, I had a huge lineup out the door. Uh, Wolverine the X-Men had just come out. Right. And I was uh, sitting there doing the signing for free comic day. And there was this guy who came in with his wife and his kid and they had a kid in the stroller and the guy was holding one kid in the kid in the stroller, which was a little unusual for free comic day at that time. You know, uh-huh. usually you had your fan regulars you saw at the shops. And I watched these people wind down for about 40 minutes to get to my table very patiently, you know, and uh, the guy got to my table and I'm like, dude, you're, you're a warrior, you know, like coming here with your family. And he says, well, I feel I needed to come here. And he says, I want you to to know he said uh, i have a favorite book at marvel and if you ever get put on that book i'm gonna stop picking it up and he says i absolutely hate your artwork oh and his God. wife is looking awkward and my friend sitting next to me is just really kind of you can feel him you know bolstering and i'm just looking at this guy and he goes uh yeah he says i really think it's cool there's somebody from our hometown that's working for marvel but he says i really hate that it's you And he says, I just felt you should know that. So I put my hand out, I shook his hand, and I said, thank you for your patience. And he walked off, and my friend was, like, really pissed. He's like, why didn't you tell this guy off? And I'm just like, he came here on a Saturday, (laughs) dragged the family (laughs) at 8 o'clock in the morning, waited 45 minutes to get to my face to say this. And I said, he could have easily went to the Internet, bitched about me in a forum to a bunch of anonymous people, anonymously. Yeah, you're right. And slammed me, but this guy had the balls to get yeah, up did it in yeah, and did it in person, you know, and he didn't care. And I said it was it was one of these things where he, he felt it needed to be said enough and he wasn't yeah. rude about it, didn't call me an asshole, he yeah. just said what he needed to say. And I was like, this guy's a fan of those books, of that material. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. To hell with him. I don't care. I still right, have my right. comics that I do, you know, right. but, and it gives me a great anecdote to tell. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was one of these things where you realize that there are some fans that can do it properly and respectfully enough, sure, you know, sure. then there are others. So I stay off internet forums because I find that uh, anonymity really allows yeah, people to yeah. sort of just cut loose and be it vicious does, about it. It does. Yeah. And I mean, I stay off forums, like mm. the messaging boards. And, like, I don't go near that. Mm. But it, it, I, there's a fine line walk here. Yeah. We can we can connect with our audience, yeah. with our Instagrams Instagram and stuff. Instagram is great. Yeah. I love Instagram yeah. because 
well, I'll lose time to Instagram. Like I, I don't have cable at home because I can't stand, you know, like just some of the stuff that's on yeah. TV these days. And, um, I would rather be, you know, doing some drawing and stuff, yeah. but Instagram, I'll always look through and I found I was getting re-inspired. I wasn't looking at art. I wasn't appreciating art, right. you know, for years because I was so busy doing Instagram art. Yeah. Is, is a wonderful place. Yeah. You just yeah. sink into it. And I love seeing younger people, younger than I was when I started, you know, yeah. like just discovering stuff and being better. And yeah. I'm like, good for you, kid. You know, like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like Russia, I don't know what they have in their water over there, but there's so many female illustrators and yeah. painters that are coming out of there that you seem to discover and fall into on Instagram. Yeah. Like amazing things, you know, and I'm always pointing it out to Danica and I'm saying, look, look what this girl, this lady's producing. Like this stuff is amazing. And right. She'll get in touch with them and ask them about their method and they're open that talking about awesome. it. That is awesome, yeah. And I like that give and take that you yeah. find with the form. And I yep. feel like that, yeah, that's, that's building on that. I... I, like I've done some live Instagrams where I'm inking, like uh, even if it's just a head sketch or something. Me too. That's so zen. You could just like tune out. Mark uh, Morales, whenever he posts one, I just like I'll instantly stop, and it's like a deer in the headlights, and you're just looking at the lines flow on the page. Yeah, the ink soaking into the paper, yeah. and you're just oh, like, man. oh man, they should just that's he should magic. market this, you know? Like, well, that's what I was saying is like I'm now thinking like. I get such a good response from it. People enjoy watching it. It's nice because they can ask questions as you're going. Mm -hmm. But I, I started like a YouTube channel where I will then take those videos and post them so they're there in eternity. But now I'm like, maybe I could put some production into these and make them instructional. Just because I have that background in teaching, I'm like, there's a way to, to do this where... Um, like what, like what I'm getting at with the podcasting and with the jobs I'm taking is there's a lot of ways to bring money in doing what you do. Mm -hmm. And I, it doesn't have to be just deadline focus. Like no. the podcast can bring me money. I can do instructional video downloads that will help people and, and bring in money. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do is look at look around at the big picture stuff because I was so laser focused on I got to get this done. I was missing like there's a life I can have oh, yeah. where I'm in charge, not the deadline. Well, artists are starting to wake up to this, and I think the huge announcement this week about Millar World being yeah. bought out by Netflix is starting to make people realize like, all right. You know, like this is a game changer for us. Like yeah. we, we matter, we count. Yeah. And you know, like it's, it's a thing where whatever they've been saying in image all these years, it's, it's true. You know, like we, we can do this stuff. Like this is something that we can build a life out of outside of, you know, dealing with the big two and I, I, the big two, one of the things that I've, I've loved about it is, is you get some encouragement from them. like DC working with the DC people. Like, uh, they're so open about people I found, you know, lately and, uh, like open about feedback, open about, you know, people making recommendations, you know, for the books and the creativity. And it, yeah. it was really refreshing coming out of a burnout and talking to somebody about this, you know, like, and I was a little scared again saying, Oh, we're going back to company work and that, but they've been great. And I, I was up front and told them about the year that I had and what, you know, I really want to do. I, like I said, right now I just have room for cover work because I was doing a big gaming contract. Right. And are you cool with that? And Mark Chirello was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to get you doing some covers for us, you know? And, uh, uh, 
doing Titans covers and, you know, like all that. Like it was, it was so great to sort of just fall into that and have them be okay with that's yeah. all I wanted to do. Now they're asking me about interior work and I'm, you know, I'm considering it, but I'm just sort of like, I'm still a little gun shy. I sure, gotta, sure. Cause it's been a year and, you know, I, I'd kind of like to have a little tune up project first and then, right. you know, sort of fall back into it. But, uh, yeah, it's, I find that, uh, once you sort of reach that level where it's okay to be talking to people about these things and tell them what it is exactly that you want and what they can expect from you, they're a little more open to it, you know? And yeah, it's, yeah. It's great. Yeah, we need to speak up. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, but the thing is, is artists, we're also spread out and we don't talk about this with other artists. We're right. like, oh, well, look at that guy. He's got his shit together, you know? I mean, yeah. like, he's the one they're going to yeah. hire. It's and, funny what, what we tell ourselves oh, yeah. from, a, from looking at someone's work online and yeah. reading an interview with someone. Yeah. We make these assumptions that... Yeah, no, and you don't, like, you get this thing in your head and you're like, I don't want people thinking I'm this neurotic asshole. And you're like, well, I'm not. And people who, you know, have that impression that they are, aren't. It's just people who've had a little too much load on their plate in a day. And, you yeah. know, they just burn uh, out. Honestly, that's one of the inspirations for this podcast was to take this community that's so spread out and kind of bring them together to talk about common struggles and, oh, yeah. and this lifestyle we have, which is, which is, um, unconventional. Oh yeah. It's a different way of living. Yeah, it is. It's uh and I mean the fact is is you're dragging people with you when you're doing it. Like I look at you guys who have kids and you know, I me and Danica had made a concerted effort that it wasn't for us. That was not what we wanted out right, of life. Right. We do have children in our lives, you know, that we are able to spend time sure, with and influence. Yeah, I've seen and, picture, yeah. You know, like we're we're really happy with that balance that we have. But when I look at some people who are directly responsible for caring for children and doing a freelance lifestyle like this, like that can be killer, you know. Yeah, like, that that that's weighed heavy. Yeah. That's weighed heavy. So when you talk about your family or I have other friends like Jerome O'Pena who has yeah. a young kid and Jerome's yeah. a you know nice guy and yeah. he's trying to build something for, for this kid and he loves his kid and you know, uh even Ken Lashley with his daughters and you know, like he's got a supportive family unit there and you yeah. talk to other creators who have that and I'm like, Okay, that's a team effort, you know, right. like you need that team effort from the family and that acceptance to yeah. get into this. Yeah, yeah. And like it's nice to see how some people just make that work you know like, yeah 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 when yeah it's a tough thing to figure out mm -hmm. but when you figure it out it's pretty i mean look my kids are old enough now that i can take them to shows with me mm -hmm. like at heroes con I, maybe you saw them but i was sitting next to tommy lee edwards mm -hmm. my daughter and my son are friends with his daughter so they we all walked into the convention they were all dressed up in their cosplays and they just went off and ran around That's and awesome. one of them would check in with tommy or me and <laughs> They could go do their thing, and but for them it was like they had free reign, free tickets, and uh, like a home base to drop their bags off, and it, it was great for them. That's great. That's so, awesome. Like now, that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, like it's it's one of the things that I, I'm proud of. You know, when I see people who are doing this job have that balance, you know, and I'm just yeah. like, okay, well, if they can do it, I can do that. Like I don't yeah. have those things sort of hindering me back. Like I, and it's not a hindrance. I shouldn't say it is like that, but you know, it's Challenges. it's an extra challenge. Yeah, you know, challenge. Really. Yeah, and uh, I I'm like, what? what can I do, you know, to sort of make it a little more even handed for me and find that balance. And that's why one of the things when I talk to other artists, you know, like whenever they ask me, what's the first thing I should do, you know, when I want to do art as a career, as a business. And I said, you know what, take a business course. 
learn a business course because I think a business course will teach you your rights, your balance, yeah. your you know like the things that you will need, the tools you will need to equip yeah, yourself. Because so few of us are running this like a business. Yeah, we're just doing a job because we love it. We get into it. Yeah. Like, I get to draw Spider Man, yeah. and you're not thinking about the repercussions. Well, hey man, you're drawing Spider Man. Well, like this is a this is a business that your life is about. To change in a way, you know, like right. you need to start thinking smarter about how you handle your day to day. Yeah, yeah, for and a sure. A business course, I think, teaches new artists like the, that kind of skill to kind of calendar yeah. out your life, and, and also to look at look at um, your what you do, your work, not the job, yeah, but you and the work you do. Yep. To look at that as a business, yep. just like a startup coffee company. Yeah. How do I get the word out? How, how do I market myself? How do I do all of these things? Mm-hmm. It's not just I got Spider Man, I'm done. It's I got Spider Man. Now, how do I grow my business? Yeah. Teaches you to make a plan. Yeah. Is what it yeah, does. Exactly. And I mean, like I, I always tell you know kids that come to me, the first thing I say, and they'll look at me like, what? And you don't like just want to dive right in. And I'm like, don't don't do what I did. Like yeah, I ran yeah, into yeah, it, arms exactly. open. Me just, too. You know, like that's how you're gonna. Well, that's what happened. When I sat down and took that self-inventory and said, where do I want to be in 10 years? I wrote out what was essentially a 10-year business plan. And I check in with it one day a week. And I set aside time to just read through it and sit quietly somewhere and think about, I've got monthly goals, weekly goals. Where am I? What am I falling back on? What am I succeeding on? And adjusting it all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's getting me somewhere that before I was just kind of like, Floating with the current. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. That's exactly what it is. You know, like you just sort of give over to it and let it take you where you know. Yeah. And some people it takes to great heights and some people it just washes them ashore. Yeah. But if you start to grab an oar and steer it, you can go where you want. Yeah. No, it's a great analogy for it. And it's bang on, you know, like it's uh, it's one of the things that I tell people. If you go into it with a plan, at least a semblance of a plan, yeah, that you know yeah. what you're doing on your day to day. And be open to the plan changing yeah. because you, yeah. you, things are organic and we can't control everything. Yeah. But being steadfast and keeping that balance, you know, like that's the big yeah, thing. Yeah. The trick for me was when I was in the thrusts of, my bad anxiety years, I got into a, a lot of meditation and, and Eastern thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got into yoga heavily. But one of the the things that spoke to me the most was I was trying to control too much. Mm-hmm. And feeling a complete loss of control when you're trying to control was eating me alive. So one of the lessons I was, I, I just remember... Um, was teaching me to be the leaf floating down the stream. When the current picks up and goes crazy, you let go. Because if you fight it, you're going under. Mm-hmm. And if you just let it float, it'll float you to calmer waters. So I, th- I, I did that. But then I was like, I'm just letting everything take me wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, how do I find that balance where I am letting go, but I'm not complete but i am steering myself i guess that that's what I, I, the realization i had recently was like it's not about just surrendering entirely but it's surrendering with a goal in mind and helping nudge yeah. and not forcing 
Yeah. So that's a tricky thing. It is. And I mean, finding, uh, finding a way to smile when you talk about what you do as a job again was the big thing. Like finding that enthusiasm. Like I, I hated one day I was sitting there and I was just really miserable. I was at a show last year and like, I was really feeling kind of beat up that morning. There was some stuff going on back home that, you know, was just sort of on the back of my head. And, uh, I had realized that I didn't want to be sitting in that chair. It wasn't servicing anybody, especially the people who were coming to me just for me signing their books and sending them on their way right. when, you know, I didn't look like I was enjoying what I did for a job. Right, right. And I was like, I don't want this person to leave. And I actually called the guy back and I said, look, I said, I'm sorry I caught you this morning. I was in a bit of a bad mood and I apologized to him, you know, and I had realized I didn't want a person to leave my table with an impression that, you know, I was just this dick, right, right. you know, because I, I wanted, it was indifferent to him. I didn't want a person to feel that way right, walking away right. from my table. And uh, it it made me realize that you know there's that's a, it's like a power that you you have to exert over your life you know like you have to sit there and say I have a responsibility yeah, when true. I'm dealing with these people and to myself you know that I can't show up here and be like that you know like everybody's allowed to have a bad day right you know right. that can happen but for, sure for me for myself that was the one thing that was unacceptable and it's one of the reasons I started when I got home I realized okay. I, I want to find a way to be able to be myself again. You know, yeah. like I want to get up every day smiling like I do. Everybody, you know, it's one of the things that I love that they'll always say about me is that I'm always smiling. And it's because I, I love, you know, what I do with my day. Like I, every day I get up and I'm excited about my day. And I wanted to find that again. So, you know, doing comics is cool. I love doing comics. I love the people in the community, getting to meet, you know, friends in the industry. Like, I, I love that. I love, you know, talking to creators. I you know, love being a fan. What you're you know? talking about now was part of when I did, took myself in, Tori. I was like, you know, I'm surrounded by some of the most amazing artists in the mm -hmm. world. I'm good friends with some of them. I'm acquaintances with some of them. And when I'm at a show, I take no time to walk around, look at their work in person, talk to them about their processes, and yeah. and just in, engage. Like, I, I walk in, I sit down, I do my sketches, and then I, I go out to dinner, and then I go back to bed. And I, again, just getting caught up in the, the focus of I got to do all these commissions and, and I've made a, I made a, a decision to make sure to walk around and, yeah. and talk to people, even if it's just talking about like, I had a conversation, uh, a conversation with Dustin Nguyen about the school system. Cause we were talking about our kids yeah. in school. And we had this really interesting conversation about how much pressure kids are being put through a school, which was great. And then I also said, I, I want to, I'm out, I'm interested in growing as an artist always. Mm -hmm. So I want to walk around and talk to some people about what they're doing and how they do it. I, I have that option. I, Why make, don't, I haven't done that. Yeah. Why don't I do that? Yeah, well, and that's one of the things I do every show now on my last day. I yeah. always make a point to walk through Artist Alley, and I'll hit any booth, and I don't tell anybody who I am because I don't want to know if they yeah. recognize me. I have a friend or, who turns his badge around for that yeah, very reason. Yeah, yeah, I'll tuck it in my shirt, whatever reason. And I'll, I'll go in and I'll buy everything on their table. You know, I hit an artist out because I remember what it was like being in there. Yeah, yeah. And my hope is, is that, you know, maybe that could be a game changer for that person at the show. It's sure. not like a pretentious thing where I think I'm going to change no, this no, person's life. I'm just like, I hope if this person was having a it's bad show. It's giving back to the community. I understand Giving that. back to the community. Yeah. But that good feeling 
that you used yeah. to have that you are a community. You right, know, like it doesn't right. matter where you are. Somebody out there threw support at you. Yeah. And it, one of the reasons is sometimes Artist Alley people will pay their table, pay their trip, get yeah. up here and not yep. make a dime. Yeah. And it, I remember what that feeling was like. And it would be so disheartening to get home and yeah. think that, you know, nobody came to my table. Nobody came to see me. And I, I hate the thought, you know, if here I am I'm having a really good show, I'm having a really good time. And that there's somebody that's sitting in that artist's alley that, you know, just they're feeling like they're going to go home, break all their pencils and yeah. not even try. Yeah. And I, I would hate that thought. And it's one of those things where, you know, I'll try to do that. And it's not, it's not a pat on the back for me. That's my gift no, no, to myself. I understand that. I understand that. It's a gift for myself yeah. to say, okay, you know, if we want this industry to keep succeeding, you know, it's a matter of having artists in there that feel good about themselves, yeah. feel good about the community, and feel good about the work that's being put out there. You yeah. Know? So, and like you said, I'm, I'm. You learn from them. There are some artists out there. I'm blown away by what it is they're working on, and they're not sure. working for the bigger companies. And you're like, okay, that doesn't matter because no, there's artists they're producing still amazing, artists. amazing yeah. stuff, and I want to go talk to them, find out how they're doing it, maybe try and play with it, like. I never played with brushes before when I would ink. It was all tech pens and stuff. I was terrified of it. Right. Now I'm doing it. I'm not showing it to anybody. But <laughs> I'm doing it and I'm playing with them at home. I'm playing with classic nibs and I'm looking at what yeah. Danica's doing with her projects where she's fearless. She'll sit there with a piece of paper and take some brush and ink and she'll be talking to me, not even looking at the paper, slapping ink on it. And wow. it looks amazing and natural. And I'm like, yeah. I want to get Back to you know doing that kind yeah, of stuff. Brush but, is just a magical. Oh, I love my brush. Uh, see, <laughs> I, I, I'm terrified of it, but I'm learning slowly to accept it and use it as a tool and acknowledge that this is something that's going to take practice. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, again, I mean, you know? it's scary at first. Yeah. I just I don't know. I remember when I was uh, 16, and I I I don't remember how. I learned that comic book artists were inking with a brush, which I was like, what? Yeah. And that they were coloring with, with colored dyes and inks. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to get some of that shit. And I had no idea what kind of brush I was. I remember like I was first inking with these little watercolor cat tongue brushes. Oh yeah. And I was, but I was getting familiar with a brush. Um, and then when I learned what type of brush and all that stuff, it, I mean, it took a while to get comfortable with it, a long while. Even when I could control it, I, it wasn't a, like now I just feel like I can freely go at it. Mm -hmm. That took a long time. I, yeah, I, I have great <laughs> affirmation for you. Like, people who can get there and be brave when they tackle a piece of paper. And this is one of the things why I won't do stuff digitally because I find you need that fear when you're working on stuff because yeah. it'll force you to experiment and figure right. things out. And you know? that, that's what working digitally, ultimately, yep. the, the reason I chose against it was um, it offered me too much control yeah. and I felt like th that some of the improvisational quality of work had you been lost. It. Yeah. Like uh, I, I don't mind my screw ups when I look at yeah. something and I see it in print after, and I've put like five layers of white out on top of that thing, but I finally got it to work. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I won't make that mistake again. You know, yeah. it, it was sort of, sort of one of these things that was uh, nice to me to take away that safety net. And yeah. you know, you're looking at your work and I felt a little pr more pride about yeah. it, you yeah. know? And, and the brush, the thing about the brush is you need to be, able to stumble upon 
of a stroke where you're like, what was that? Yeah. Let me try to do that. And then you do that all the time. And then it becomes like a a quill that you own. And then you stumble upon another one. And then you just have this like bag of like strokes and marks and flicks that all kind of come together. Yeah. And then you can go in and create that filter or brush in your digital and use it after you have it nestled away. But yeah, discovering that stuff in your work, you know, like it's a, it is important. And uh, like, again, I don't, don't crap on people who do digital because oh, I, no, no, no. it's just for me I found I, I enjoyed making those mistakes I found I appreciated you know like I felt a little more pride in my work afterwards when I was able to sort of step away and say yeah I really botched yeah. that thing but man did it ever I saved it in the right, long run right. you know enough where I'm happy enough to see it in print and I'm also a big fan of original <laughs> art no me too I mean it's like just to have a piece of art on your wall that anyone can just look at and study that's and- why when I come to these things Danica handles the wallet because I'll be broke before I leave the show. Like I, <laughs> she, anytime I say I'm going to the bathroom and she says, you're coming right back. And I'm like, all right, okay, cool. Because she'll see me walk down an alley and she'll know, well, this artist is there. She'll check a program and she'll say that artist is there, yeah. this artist is yeah. there. Yeah. So like here, the only person I was allowed to go to was Drew Struzan's table because I wanted to get yeah. some signed prints and I'm just like, this is Drew Struzan. You yeah, know? you're not going to get that opportunity yeah. very often. So yeah. she was like, go for it. She says, I'm not even going to ask. Just go <laughs> <laughs> but one time we were at Big Wow on the uh, West Coast, and they had so many great artists there. And uh, I, I was just going to the bathroom again and walking back, and I ran into Mark Schultz's table, walked away from a piece with him. <laughs> Arthur Adams' table, walked away from a piece with him. And I mean, literally, by the time I got back to the table, anything I made that day was gone in artwork. And she was just looking at me, shaking her head, and she was just like, "I can't let you go anywhere." You know, like it's just so the original art thing is something I'm. Still a little addicted to, but yeah, yeah, I'd like slippery to, slope to anybody out yeah, there listening. That's where having having kids like that's the <laughs> like that, that's just a closed door for yeah. me right now. I mean, unless if someone wants to trade, that's I'm like, what yeah, I do. Yeah, please I'll, trade, yeah. please trade. I'll do the trades with, but people, I, I can't cool. ask people to trade. Yeah. If, uh, but when they ask me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd All love right. to. Well, Sarah Richards, I was talking to her uh, at this uh, convention a little while ago, and I had no idea she was huge into dinosaurs, drawing dinosaurs, and I had these layouts for these covers that I was doing. It was all dinosaurs and centric and somebody went to go show her and now we've got a dinosaur trade we're working on. So That's I sort awesome. of like when that stuff happens. Yeah, I love and, that. I love you know, that. Because then you got a good story behind it Yeah, and the piece that you're going to trade for eventually is going to mean more. Yeah, you know? like trading commission is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Like like I'll have an affinity for a character and I'll talk to another artist and be like, I love that character too and then you're like, let's do it. Let's trade a commission. Like That's awesome because there's a, there's a love in that yeah. and the story in that. And when you get it up on the wall and you look at that every day again you know like that's one of the reasons i like original art because i throw it up on the wall and i can sit there and every day i go into my studio i'm inspired just walking yeah, from yeah, you know, great the stuff. bedroom to the studio it's yeah that's great stuff yep. all right um we did good no did is, we? is there any Killed some time <laughs> yeah what did we do uh yeah we're at an hour oh cool um is there anything you were hoping we'd get to that we didn't get to um no, I'm I'm kind of happy to be able to talk about this. I was glad that you know when I brought it up, and then you were telling me how you were feeling about it. You know, in regards to having a bit of a burnout with stuff that you know you were open to discussing it with me from sure. your point of view, because I I find that was one of the things that I was looking for when I sort of mentioned it. And it was hard talking to people. You know, like you don't know how people are going to react to it. Right, right, right. And you don't want to be judged on that stuff. Sure. So, 
it, uh, yeah, I was really glad that, uh, you know, we were able to finally have a sit down discussion. Yeah. About thank it. you for doing it. No, no problem. Thank you for, uh, you know, allowing me to put it on cellular, I guess, and be able to have this discussion. <laughs> Anytime. Um, anything you want to promote as we're finishing up here, any social media stuff or projects or anything? You know what? I don't want to promote my projects. I just want to promote comics, you know, like, uh, everybody, they listen to all the stuff, news media regarding comics lately. And I don't want people to be scared of comics anymore. Comics are fun. Get out to your shops, get out to your conventions, support your creators, but support your fans as well. Like you guys, you're a family. You know, and I always right. tell fans that, like, you guys get out and just, whether you're boys, girls, you know, just get out there and enjoy being part of one of the best fan groups in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I know that sounds a little trite, but it's, it's, no, we're, it's, we're it's cool. genuine. You know, like, comic people are cool. Yeah, yeah. Get out and just be cool about it. Yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Cool. All right, well, thank you, Nick. No problem. Thank you, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, bloody ink on my past spelt suicide Michael Jackson even passed cause you scrutinize Fuck Illuminati lies, say I'm Lucified Baptized in the gutter, motherfucker you decide Cause the ride come with doors that be suicide All the thighs on my hoes, they be supersized Good and bad, having wars, nigga choose a side Now all hail to the Lord like you do to God who am I, Lord Flacco? Painting vivid pictures, call me Basquiat Picasso. Capo head honcho, now my following's colossal. Ain't no box of Pacquiao, but got the chopper, throw the caso. It's like you heard God spoke, I sing the ghetto gospel. The quiet like my reefer and the preacher got my eyes low. Sister Mary Jane can make me sleep from singing high notes. The Bible or the rifle. Good night, folks. It's a fine line between truth and lies Jesus Christ never lies, still was crucified That's why I never judge another nigga Life's a bitch, but that bitch in love with other niggas Three to a bed, sheets, no covers, nigga Dirty kitchen, no supper in the cupboards, nigga Sucker niggas, what's up with niggas? So my new attitude is like, fuck them niggas I grew up with niggas but don't fuck with niggas I don't trust them niggas Ain't got no love for niggas Had the gold grill shining like them southern niggas Kept it chillin' now the whole world fucking with us Meanwhile you treated all of us like other niggas And now your world is in my palm, take cover niggas Zip me up, now I'm walking on my own, y'all wish me luck.